So children are a gift. They're an expensive gift. <laughs> but they are a gift nonetheless. They, they fill your life with, with so many delights. Uh, one of my favorite things is when kids are really young and they mispronounce everything. Uh, when Ava was two, she called the remote control the gummote with a G. And we have called it that in our, in our house to this day. Go get the gummote. Jack, my son who's uh, eight, just a handful of weeks ago, he said this to me. He said, Dad, why do we say the Apostles' Creek all the time in church? <laughs> Apostles' Creek, I was dead. <laughs> By the way, Apostles' Creek is what they would have called the chosen had James Vanderbeek been chosen to play Jesus, just a heads up. <laughs> Those of us who grew up in the 90s, we get that, we get that joke. And then later on, you get the joy of helping them make all these big decisions. Like my daughter just decided where she's going to go to college, and I'm pleased to say that she is going to be an Aggie in the fall. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, y'all are welcome to help pay for it. That's my, <laughs> my invitation to you. She's going to say gigam, and I'm going to get a second job. There we go. And, uh, but the big decision in our house right now has been, uh, what does she wear to the Taylor Swift concert? Anyone here gone to Taylor Swift this, this weekend? It's a big deal here in Houston. Uh, a couple people here? That's right. Good. Good. The big question has been, Dad, what do I wear? What era do I dress as? This has been a big conundrum in our house. And she was really kind of angling for me to buy her more clothes with this question. To which I said to her, uh, you got no money. You can dress as the broke era. That's what you can dress as. <laughs> wear your old clothes. Today we're continuing a teaching series called Brand New, where we're looking at how the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our faith in him <laughs> fills us and then transforms us and enables us to be brand new for the most important people and relationships around us. And last week we talked about marriage, and this week we're talking about being made brand new for our kids, for the little ones that are around us who need our love and our leadership and our influence. Now, if you're here today and you maybe don't have kids or maybe your children are grown and out of the house, uh, this message still has application for you for a number of reasons. Uh, the primary one being that, that all of us, no matter our age or stage, we have ones who are younger than us, who are looking up to us, who need love and leadership and influence from us. And we have parental roles all the time, even if we aren't actively serving as parents. Now, you may be a parent, but you also may be a teacher you, you may be an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. You might be the close family friend who's always there. You have influence over young people in your life, and this has application to you. It also has application to you because perhaps if your children are grown, there are things we're going to talk about today that are going to cause you to give thanks. You're going to hear something that I talk about today and say, hey, I think we got that right, or I experienced that grace from God in our family in this way. Praise God for that. You have something to give thanks for. It may work the other way. You may have something to, to ask for God's grace and mercy and forgiveness for. As we talk today, you might hear something that cuts a little deep, that hits a sore spot. You may go, man, I wish we could have done that differently. That's an opportunity to invite God's grace and mercy to touch that place in your heart and experience him more deeply. Amen. This has application to everybody. So with that said, I'll ask you a question. What do you think is the secret to raising great kids? Think about it for a second. What's the secret to faithfully raising and leading and loving the young ones, the little ones around us? What is it? Is it, is it getting them into the great schools? Is it finding the, the best books on parenting, adopting the right discipline philosophy? Do you go with one, two, three magic, or do you go with free-range parenting? 
Is it about signing them up for all the opportunities and making sure that they are the busiest kid on the planet? What is it? I ask because I, I think I have the answer. At least according to the scriptures, I would say that the secret to faithfully stewarding the lives of little ones comes down to this. It comes down to peace. It is about the peace of the parent. It is about the peace, the wholeness, the sense of well-being that the adult brings to the little one. It's about the peace and the wholeness, the sense that all is right in my world. It's the sense of, I'm going to make up a word, enoughness that the adult has in his or her heart that allows them to lead and love the little one the right way. Because here's what I know from, about myself as a profoundly imperfect parent. I know that very often as a parent, I am not only motivated by my love for the child, I am also motivated by fears and worries and concerns and anxieties about myself. That often my primary concern, even as I'm engaged with my kids, is me. If I really dig deep, seeing my my love and leadership as dad as a way to prove myself, as a way to assure myself and others and even God that I'm good, that I matter, that I'm worthy, that I count, that I am enough. Very often, that is my primary motivation with my kids. And when that happens, I am engaging in something that the theologians would call self-justification. I am using this particular vocation as parent as a means of justifying my own existence in my eyes, in the eyes of others, and in the eyes of God. Now, with that being said, here's the bad news. No amount of effort in and through your kids and no amount of success by the kids around you can satisfy your need to justify. No amount of success in your kid's life will give you the peace, the wholeness that you so deeply desire. It won't work. And some of you whose kids are raised and gone, who have tried for years and years and years to, to pour yourself into them, and then even after they leave the house, you find yourself lacking, you find yourself wondering, you find yourself worrying, you're saying, man, there's still something that is just not sitting right with me. Number one, that probably never goes away because we're always worried about our kids. But that in and of itself proves it. You can launch them successfully but still have deep needs as a human being. No success in a kid is going to satisfy the need for a human being to justify themselves as a way of trying to find that peace as a person. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Christ provides that peace. Let, let's look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, where we just were, and, and what Paul gives us is some, some, some admonitions for a family. He's painting a picture of a particular kind of family. And let's look again at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 18. Paul says this, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, pause right there. I realize that that's a loaded phrase. I don't have time to unpack all of that. Uh, what I'll say is this. Paul uses that phrase a couple of times in the New Testament. Uh, what, he, what he means ultimately is this. Wives, encourage your husbands to lead. Encourage them to be engaged in the life of the family, and you have a part to play in his engagement in the life of the family. He continues, 
Husbands, love your wives. In the book of Ephesians, he will add, as Christ loved the church, high calling. And do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. Have I ever told you what my favorite verse of the Bible is? (laughs) Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Paul describes a home that is filled with love and respect and, and parents who fill their children with joy and they enjoy being in the home. But let's look at what precedes it. So Paul paints this picture of a home filled with love and respect and joyful kids. But what precedes it? Look at verse 15. Paul is assuming this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You see, there is a peace, a wholeness that comes from Christ. Christ gives the peace that parents and every human being deeply crave. There is a sense of being complete, of being whole, of being enough that comes through Jesus Christ. That is one of the gifts of faith in Jesus Christ. It's called the peace of Christ. Now, now maybe this is a relatively new concept for you, or you just need a reminder and a refresher, but, but here's the truth. Each and every one of us understands at an intimate and deep level, that we are not enough. That that we fall short as parents, as kids ourselves, as employees, as citizens, as followers of Jesus in general. We fall short in many and myriad ways a thousand times a day. And that's where that little voice inside of us comes from that says, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. But Christ in his life, he was enough. And then in his death on the cross, he died for all those, us, who can't be enough. And then his rise from the grave on Easter morning, it was like the giant CVS receipt of salvation. (laughs) Proving that a purchase had been made, that a transaction had occurred, that a trade had been made. Through faith in Christ, you get his goodness, you get his enoughness. You get his worthiness. All that he is becomes yours because you deserve it? No. Because you've earned it? Not at all. Just because God the Father loves to bless and forgive and show mercy to undeserving people. And so now through faith in Christ, what you get to say is, my relationship is right with the Father, and that's the relationship that matters most. I am enough. Through Jesus Christ, I am enough. We We are enough. You, you are enough. That's the peace that Paul is talking about. In Christ, I am enough. And letting that fill you and flow through you and be the lens through which you see all things, including these little ones that cost so much money. But without that peace, without that peace flowing through you, without it operative in your life, You run the risk of seeing your your church life, your professional life, and your home life as a means to try and manufacture that peace. To use all these people in all these places as a a, a way to try and cultivate your own sense of wholeness and well-being. Which, Paul implies here in Colossians 3, leads to all kinds of unhelpful places. That's what he's talking about in verse 21 when he says, Fathers and moms, moms and dads, Well, let me read it to you. He says, Do not provoke your children, 
lest they become discouraged. Discouraged is actually too light of a word, I believe. When you look a little more deeply at the language, I think a a better word and and a common translation is exasperated. Do not exasperate your children. I think the most accurate translation is do not break the spirits of your children. Do not break the spirits of your children where they get to a point because you have put all your pressure to prove yourself onto them. Do not break their spirits to a point where they're saying, well, it's never enough. It's never enough. Don't exasperate them. And you think about it, what else is going to happen if a 43-year-old is standing over top of a 15-year-old and the 43-year-old is desperate to prove that he matters, that he's made something of his life, desperate to prove that he's worth something, and because of that, he is screaming like a maniac at his son's baseball game. Or he is constantly reminding him of the need to perform at school and get scholarships. Or at every turn, he is making a comment or a critique on their behavior all the time, all the time. What do you think is going to happen if you take all that existential pressure on you and you put it on them in the name of being a good parent, you are yelling and you are critiquing, you are constantly, constantly reminding them of all the demands that are placed on them. What do you think is going to happen? That same little voice that is in your head that you so desperately want to quiet, you are fanning it into flame in theirs. And you know what that voice is? The voice is, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. Let me ask you this. If you've got kids in your life, are you loving them and leading them? Are you parenting them from peace or for peace? Here's what I mean. Are you parenting them from an understanding that that I'm okay, I'm good, I'm enough, I'm whole. I don't always believe it, don't always feel it, but I do know it, and I'm trying to believe it. I'm trying to feel it, not place it on them. Are Are you parenting from peace or for peace, using those kids and their performance, their obedience, their their future success as a way to secure your own well-being as a human. The good news is that Christ gives you peace. And you don't have to put that on them. When you have the peace of Christ in you, flowing through you. There is a new freedom that's in front of you. There's a new freedom that's in front of you as a parent because you know you don't have to exact your peace at the cost of your children. You now have a freedom to parent differently, perhaps even in a way that is counterintuitive to the world around you. And, And here's a place where I could talk for a long time about all the ways in which the peace of Christ transforms parenting, in particular in this modern day and age. But because we have barbecue waiting for us, I'm going to give you just two things. With the peace of Christ flowing through you and knowing that you are already enough, you are free as a parent to choose quality time over the quantity of activities. To choose quality time together over quantity of activities. Now, now here's what I mean. I, I am talking about the busyness in modern families' lives that is sickening. It's quite literally making us sick. 
There's research on it. You can read it. We are unbelievably busy, and those with kids are the busiest of all. Now, I know that some of you are saying, like, look, Pastor Matt, that's just the way it is. That's just life today with kids of any age and any stage. And I've said that myself, but let's be honest. That's not the way it has to be. It's not the way it has to be. Like, there is no law saying that you have to have them in ballet and baseball and do extra, extra, extra SAT prep. Like, those are choices you made. And what I am saying is that very often, the busy schedules of our children are less a reflection of our love for them and more a reflection of the fears we have for them and for ourselves. We are afraid that they're not going to be socialized enough. We're afraid that they're not going to have enough opportunities. We're afraid they're not going to have enough friends. We're afraid that, that the other moms and dads will talk about us if we don't take them to all the birthday parties, all 5,000 birthday parties in the month of April alone. And that fear for them all piles up, and, and we place it on our shoulders, we place it on their shoulders, and we sign them up for all the things. And then we wonder why, we wonder why, that me and my wife are just like minivans passing in the night. <laughs> or why the time we do get with our kids is filled with so much fatigue and frustration and arguments about homework, and that's just the adults. Did you know that you are free? Do you know just how loved you already are by the Father? And that love from the Father procured for you through Jesus Christ, it frees you. And you know what that love is meant to do? It's meant to drive out fear. That's what the scriptures say. The perfect love of the Father secured for you in Jesus Christ drives out all kinds of fear, including the fear of not being the parent who drives their kids to all of the things. You are free to do less and still be a good parent. When your kids look back on their time with you, what they will cherish is not the doing, but the being. They will not cherish the going. They will remember the moments where you were with one another, focused on each other. Here's a question to put in your back pocket and wrestle with later. In your family, is it more about being or is it more about doing? Is it more about the time that you can spend connected with each other in some way? Is it more about even just being in the same space together? Or is it always about doing something, doing, 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 because you're afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid of, afraid of having to entertain them yourselves, whatever it is? Is it more about being or is it more about doing? You have the peace of Christ flowing through you. You are free to do less Less that is motivated by fear. Do less. The other thing it transforms is our words. You know, I don't need to tell you that words have power. That's, that's pretty obvious. But especially in parenting, our words have power. And the scriptures go to great lengths to remind us of this. There's the very famous proverb that says this. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits those of us who have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, we are free to be very purposeful with our words when it comes to children. And we have the freedom to speak more words of delight than words of demand. More words of delight than words of demand. When, when parents are feeling pressure to perform, when they're feeling pressure to have a certain outcome in the lives of their children, when they're lacking peace driving their children to exasperation, they lose sight of the weight of 
of their words, and almost all of their words become imperatives. They become commands. They become demands. Do this. We got to be here. Stop that. Say this. Don't do that. They become all demands and all commands because there is a sense of pressure of who we have to be, all the expectations upon us. And it's not just about helping them be good kids. It's about me being a good parent. And so it becomes all about commands and demands. And you might say, well, Matt, that's how the world works. There are expectations in this world on my kids, on us as a family, and they are going off into a world someday as adults full of expectations. We got to prepare them for that now. I get it. But your house is not supposed to be boot camp for adulthood. It's not. Are they supposed to be formed, trained, prepared? Yes. But if if the primary thing they remember about life in your house is about kicking their heels together and saluting you, then you've missed the boat. I, I, I hate to say it, but you have. It's not supposed to be about demand. It's supposed to be about delight. We must remember that the source of words determines the weight of words. You are right. They're going to go out into a world where they have a boss each and every day who only utters commands. That's true. But when the boss is uttering commands, it's different than when that's all they get from dad. It's a different source. When dad is nothing but demand, it's a much heavier weight. Or it's one thing when the neighbor says, you've disappointed me as you ride by on your bike. It's another when mom says, you've disappointed me. The source of the words determines their weight. And you are invited to worry less about outcomes, Worry less about your performance and theirs, which is what drives our words of demand. I'm not saying we're against rules as Christians. I can think of 10 very specific rules given to us in the scriptures. But you are free to err more on words of delight. You know what words of delight are? I love you. This is so fun for me. Look at what you did. I'm so proud of you. Oh man, I I see big things for you. Thank you for forgiving me. I forgive you. Those are words of delight that prove to your child that you cherish them. One of your goals as a grandparent, a parent, as a, as a family friend, is to make sure that the, the kids in your life, they understand your love for them more even than they grasp your authority over them. Or to put it like this, they understand your love for them as much as they understand your authority over them. For every word of demand, my invitation to you is to speak two words of delight. Demands are necessary, but delight is everything. And think of how God the Father speaks to us. His words give life. Are there rules? For sure. But his primary word to us is this. I love you. I forgive you. You're mine. There is nothing that you can do to make me love you less. I enjoy you, and I want you to enjoy me. Those are the words that give life to us. You're invited to speak similar words. With the peace of Christ flowing through you, you are free to have more being and less doing. You are free to have more delight and less demands because the pressure is off of all of you to prove yourselves. Now, when I, when I preach a sermon like this, very often the, the feedback that I get is, uh, Pastor Matt, great sermon. 
You, you, you reminded me so much of how much God loves me and how I, am. I have peace in Jesus Christ. But, and there's always a but, I, I would have loved just a little more like, practical advice with these kids. <laughs> so knowing that that critique is coming, let me give you this. Let me give you a little bit of practical advice that I'm fairly certain is biblical, but it's just advice from me. Um, as a profoundly imperfect parent myself, who is learning on the fly, just like y'all, okay? Uh, this is some, some, these are some words that were given to me years ago about stages of influence as a parent. You can think of your, the lives of your kids as being broken up into thirds. You have kind of zero to late elementary, late elementary to late high school, and then late high school on into early adulthood. And what one person once said to me is this, think of that first stage as, as you being the governor over their life. You're in charge of everything. There's very few choices that that kid really makes for themselves. Your job as parent, as grandparent, as teacher and friend, your job is to help curate their existence almost completely, making sure that it is profoundly safe and incredibly joyful. And you are, you are surrounding them with all the influences they need to, to love their family well and love the Lord the most. But you are governor, if not God, over everything. And then in that second stage, in late elementary on into high school, you become more of a guardian, where the goal is for, for your grandchild, your son or daughter, to start having more agency over their own life. They're making a lot more choices. They're shaping their own existence in a lot of ways, but you are using your authority and your leadership to protect them from two things, protect them from themselves and protect them from all the idiots around them. And you're putting up fences where fences need to be put up, and you are just protecting them from all the evil in the world, but you're trying to give them as much space to discover and learn and make choices as possible, but your job is to guard them from the evils of this world. But then, late high school on into early adulthood, things have to shift and change, and this is arguably the, the most difficult shift. You have to become a guide to them. Where you go from making virtually every decision for them to making virtually no decisions for them, and instead, rather than make declarations, you ask questions. That's the stage we're at with my 17-year-old daughter now. We, we ask questions, so many questions. Are you sure you want to do that? Do we think that's wise? Would you like my advice? Would you like to know what I would do if I were you? And thankfully, I have a daughter who's very eager for our input. But that's the stage that we're at because she's got to be ready to ship. She's got to be like 95% ready to ship out in the world as much as that scares me, as much as that frightens me. And so she's got to figure it out. She's got to make all these decisions and I'm there to be a guide. And then my hope is if we work our way through these three stages that we can unlock the secret fourth stage where you get to become a guru. This is when at the age of 24, your child comes back to you and they sit at your kitchen table and they go, Mom and Dad, I just realized that you're not dumb. <laughs> like, how did you do it? Like, how did you survive? How did you, how did you make sense of this world? How did you pay bills? How did you do, how did you adult? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And they come back to your table because they know that you have some answers, because you've built up a lot of trust, because they ultimately know that you are filled with peace that there has been a peace that's been pervasive in your presence, and they come back wanting some of that peace and that as they go out into a crazy world. They're hungry for that peace, and they come back to you really ultimately as a friend. 
And that's always been my and Lisa's goal as parents, is we want our kids to want to come back to us, always as their parents, but when they're adults, as friends. Hungry for our insight and our wisdom, and us offering it if they want it. Now, one of the mistakes that, that many parents make, and we've been guilty of this at times, is that we flip that around. We, we, we look at our four-year-old and we, we act as though we're a guide to them. What would you like to eat today? <laughs> boogers. They're going to eat boogers if you let them pick, okay? <laughs> That's what they're going to eat, and you know it. They don't need a guide. They need a, they need a governor over their life. But we, we flip it around and we start with a guide and, and then all of a sudden they're like 17 years old and they're ready to leave the house and we're like, I have not formed them or shaped them enough. And we say, I need to be a governor now. And then guess what happens? They push back, they blow up, and they utterly resent you. No, it's the, it's the other way around. We start as a governor and then we become a guardian and then we guide them as best we can, knowing that they're ultimately in the Lord's hands. A few years ago, someone shared with me that the secret to successful parenting is the same as surviving an airplane emergency. You've all been on an airplane when they give you the instructions for should there be an emergency. And they tell you that should we lose cabin pressure, what will happen? An oxygen mast will, will drop. And they tell you that if you have kids with you, that you should put your own mask on first and then help your kids, which is kind of counterintuitive. You want to help the kids first, but they say, no, you got to help yourself and then help the kids. Because if you don't have oxygen, if you're breathing in no air, you are of no help to those kids. And the same is kind of true in parenting. What are you breathing in? If you, if you are breathing in pressure and performance and a need to prove yourself, if you are breathing in a life where you have no peace, no wholeness, no sense that you are enough, what you're going to do is you're going to try and breathe off of that and then pass that on to your kids. And neither of you can live off that. Neither of you can. And you might be here saying, well, Matt, I've already screwed it up. This thing is going to crash land. Here's what I can say to you. Remember what's true for you because of the, the crucified and resurrected Jesus. No matter how kids and family have turned out, here's what's still true for you. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are whole. You have peace. You are still enough in the eyes of the Father. Breathe that in. Breathe that in. Let that fill you. Believe that. Let that flow through you. And now, with whatever influence you have left, with whatever relationships are around you, let, let you be the person who chooses more, more being over doing. The person who speaks more delight than they speak demand. A person who understands that to be able to influence others, especially little ones, is a gift and a joy. And that God has given you what you need to help guide them safely to a landing in the future that is ultimately secured by Jesus Christ. Amen.